everyone. Welcome to the Faith of Our Farmers podcast, the podcast devoted to the faith side of agriculture. Each week, myself, Frank Hartley, along with my co-host, Chris Elliott, dive into how our faith plays out for those of us each day that are involved in agriculture. Some weeks, we have guests that'll share their testimonies. Other weeks, we introduce you to ministries that use agriculture to share God's love. And sometimes we'll talk about biblical subjects that tie into our daily work in agriculture. Let's see where God's going to take us to this week. Hold on, let's go. Chris Elliott. Frank Hartley, how are you today? I am doing better than I deserve to. <laughs> well, I know you well enough to say that it probably is better than you deserve. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> little judgment going on there, huh? Okay. All well, right. I, I can pretty well guarantee you that I'm better off than I deserve too. Okay. Okay. It, it, it goes both ways. No question about that. <laughs> no question. God is good. God is good. No doubt in my mind about that. That's for sure. So getting some much needed rain here in our uh, mountaintop here today, but wow, we certainly want to keep her in our prayers, our brothers and sisters in Christ and farming out to the West with the dryness and the hailstorms and oh my goodness. Wow. Now, did you see any of that when you were out in Michigan? In, What's it like out that way? Yeah, in Michigan, they actually in Michigan, they had had a 12 inches of rain in nine days out there. They had been very oh, no. dry, and then they got buckets of rain. They were calling for three to four inches today and tomorrow out there. So they huh. were doing a flip-flop from where they were. So, um, yeah, crops look pretty good from everything I saw from Ohio and Indiana up through uh, Michigan, at least. Things had, were looking pretty good, so... Well, how about Western Pennsylvania? From what you can see on Interstate 80, which is nothing but trees, everything looked green. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only reason I ask that is because our guest this time is Chuck Carr, and he's from Westmoreland County out in the Pittsburgh direction. And so I thought you might have some handle on what things look like out there. It's a little hard well, to see much off 80. Chuck, tell us what you're seeing. Well, 80, 80 for us is like, it's like the snow barrier. <laughs> Everything above area uh, above eighty is snow, and thankfully we don't get quite as much below eighty. But we we had a really hard spring. It was really tough to get everything in, and uh, a lot of guys and gals pulled their hair out. A lot of a lot of days trying to get corn in the ground and things done. But thankfully things are green and uh, growing well so far. We've been Bless this summer with enough rain to keep everything going. Good, mm-hmm. good, good. So, yeah, that's pretty much what we've been experienced here. It was just kind of a rough spring in a lot of ways, but looks good now. Yeah, that's for sure. So, Chuck, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Where, where you're, we know you're from Western Pennsylvania. Uh, a little about about your family, your farming operation, things like that. Well. The farm I come from is Lone Oak Farms, and it is almost a fourth-generation farm right now. We, My grandfather bought the farm <clears throat> back in the day, and my dad worked to build it into an empire, it seems like. And, and right now, my brother and I were 
really working hard to to carry that on as a third generation farm until things happen in my life we'll probably get into later but right now our our children are really a large part of the workforce right now behind things because as i'm sure this audience knows your farm family you get put to work a lot of days and and that's certainly the case with us uh my brother and my dad are are working really hard to make things float and of course the economy and everything right now it's easier said than done we have some hired help and really just been blessed to this point that that we are where we are it's significantly increased since what my grandparents had bought when the farm started and now we're milking roughly 250 and farm about 900 acres okay so that's a fairly decent sized farm for western pa then yeah we're big enough that you don't get a break but small enough that you can't go out and buy your new truck when you need it so <laughs> yep. it's right in the middle and and sometimes it's a tough spot to be in that you look both sides of the fence and you wonder like smaller farms seem to have it easy in some ways and bigger farms seem to have it easy some ways and but you, you got to really just take the blessings where they are and and be happy with with what what you got so great mm-hmm. for sure for sure yeah it's- that's a whole interesting dynamic that we don't necessarily want to get into in this podcast but the you know what's what's big and what's small and what's right size and and it's just a interesting can of worms to open up yeah, yeah for sure for sure well and, it, and what's interesting too is how things have changed because you go back 10 years ago and the 150 cow dairy had the same thoughts that you had. We're not quite big enough to do this and we're just a little, but we're smaller and we were in between. And 10 years ago, that was 150 cow dairy. Now it's a 250 cow dairy. And it's, yeah. it's just interesting how times do change and that, that number gets a little bigger as we go along. But yeah, milk prices and grain prices certainly make a major effect in all those things, don't they? Yeah, well, you know, it's really interesting that think about all this, you know, Frank and, and Chuck, that, you know, while we're having this conversation here today, it goes back to the fact that we really want to be able to share our faith in Christ with one another as farmers and encourage each other in that. And I listened to an interview with Chuck on another podcast that was basically a business-oriented podcast about farming and it was really good and i'm not finding fault with that in any way whatsoever but i just had a sense from listening to that that there was a very serious very deep faith component in your life chuck and so once i started exploring that a little bit you know i I found you on facebook and and some things like that i realized yeah you are there and so that's why i wanted to reach out to you so we could have this conversation here today well, thank and you very so, much. Yeah, so I, so I guess I just want to open it up to you now at this point, Chuck, and just kind of tell us your story. And there's just a lot of things that have happened in your life that have brought you to where you're at and how God has carried you through that. Well, I, I guess to start that story, I, n- I need to go way back. Um, I was a farm kid 
and as a farm kid, you farmed. And a lot of times when friends at school were doing other things, I was, I was farming. And it sounds simple, but in, in a lot of ways, I think that really started things off for me. Farm kids tend to be blessed with things. I don't even think they, they realize what they, what they have. It keeps kids out of trouble, gives some kids a, a purpose and a goal and a target to aim for. I, I was one of those kids that raised pigs in 4-H and and you had a summer goal, you had something to work towards, you had something taught to you, you, you learned the value of, of life and, and hard work and all those kinds of things that I really think a lot of times our farm kids bellyache about and probably don't realize what they have till they're older, maybe adults in life. But if I tell my story, I have to go clear back with my parents because they started shaping everything for me. I, I had a dad who was involved in the church choir and he started to shape my worldview of worship. And I can remember watching him up on stage and when he wasn't on stage and he was standing beside me, I could hear him just the same and really started to shape my viewpoint of how to worship God and and really how to just connect with him in that sense and it started to happen before I even realized it where I would be on a tractor and worship would take place while you're raking hay or working ground or all the different things that we used to do and and the countless hours that you're on a tractor on the fields you know, what better way to spend it than singing to your Lord? And, and that's what I did. Uh, my mother, she started me off reading scripture from a young age where, you know, sometimes parents like say things nowadays, I think, and kids don't really take it to heart. But when my mom told me, you're reading scripture today at Saturday morning, and there's no school, that's what happened. And I can remember we read out loud and these kinds of things after they happen so many times, they start to shape you and, and change you. And sooner or later you begin to do these things on your own. And that's what happened in my life. And I really attribute or attribute the good start that I had to my parents who pretty much paved the way for me to have a spiritual foundation with the Lord. And as a child, there comes a place where your parents' faith is really their faith. And if you don't pick up your own, it's not going to be yours. And, and that was a very critical point in my life and a special time in my life where everything that I learned and saw and and viewed sooner or later became my own and really became the platform that I had because going on later in life, my life would become crazy real fast. And if I wouldn't have had that platform, wouldn't have had that foundation and what I had read in scripture and, and learned in church and learned how to connect with the Lord out in the fields and, 
and different places, I would have been, I would have fell flat. And I, I don't hesitate in saying that. Um, I'm sure that there's other Christian farmers out there that can relate to me, but the top of our hill above the farm, when I had something serious that needed to be addressed between me and the Lord, that's where I went. And mm-hmm. it's the top mm-hmm. of the hill. It's You can see all around. It's a very special place where I felt like I could connect with the Lord. And still to this day, something stresses me, something... Of course, we all have our our places where we pray, like in our house, in our bedroom. But, you know, that special place that I had that that I would connect with the Lord was right up on top of the hill above the farm. So all these things helped me. And uh, I would go on. I I went to Penn State. I graduated in 2000. Uh, I wanted to go to school for agriculture. I was, I got a degree in ag science. My vision and goal for my life was I wanted to learn as much as possible about the industry so that I didn't have to pay other people to do these things. I wanted to be Mm self-sufficient. I wanted to be able to make a ration and balance a ration. I wanted to be able to know the ins and outs of cropping and and just as much as I could soak in. And that was my goal. That was my vision. Uh, ironically, at the same time, actually, it was maybe a little bit. It was while I was in college. I started uh, teaching middle school and high school kids in our church. I became a youth pastor. So I taught for 12 years. It was an amazing 12 years. And I first got married in 2000, graduated from college in 2000. Everything was going textbook. I couldn't have asked for better. And um, (laughs) soon everything would change. (laughs) Soon everything changed. That's what we understand. That's for sure. Yeah, I I, I reflect on, on what you've said there or just recently our our pastor who is not a country music fan at all um, used the Rodney Atkins song, Watching You, uh, which talks about how his son watches him and everything that he does. Oh, uh, yeah. Used that as his sermon illustration, which shocked all of us because he is very far away from being a country music fan. But he used that song and how impactful it is to... Uh, our children watching us and and seeing what we do. So I very much can, now I have grandchildren. Well, Chris and I both have grandchildren and, and see how that's so impactful. So that's for sure. So you made it through college and you got married and headed back home. Headed back home and the world was my oyster. I was, I was ready to tackle it all. And it, it, it did last that way for a very short time. But 2006, six years later, my wife was diagnosed with stomach cancer. So that was, that was shocking, to say the least. And, of course, the doctors told us, you know, this is extremely rare. People your age don't get stomach cancer, yada, yada, yada. It was, you know, you got tired of hearing it almost. But nevertheless, she had it, and we had to deal with it. And 
it was the first, I guess I had other trials in life, but this was a monster. And when she, when she passed in 2008, it was devastating. How old was she? She passed away. She was 27. Wow. So very young. And we had two boys at the time. And when she passed, they were five and three. So I had a handful. And one of the blessings of being on a farm is that farms stick together, farm families stick together. And I had a huge support system. Uh, But besides that, you hear about, you hear the phrase like, well, were you raised in a barn? You know, somebody leaves the door open or something. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. My kids were literally raised in a barn. So Bradley and Justin, I can remember taking Justin to work with me. Bradley was five, so he he went to school. He went to kindergarten. But Justin, I had him, and I had to work with him. And cows needed milk, and things needed done. And he took his afternoon nap on a truck seat (laughs) Mm -hmm. or in the milk and parlor on the floor on a couch cushion and you know in the real sense of of the essence of it he was raised in a barn but it it was good and we made it and that wasn't the only thing crazy that happened in that time frame 2007 so right in between my wife's diagnosis and her passing we had a barn fire and I can remember late that night, of course, farmers work hard and when you're done, you want to be done and you take your shower and you get ready for your bed and you think you're going to hit the sack. And I looked out our bathroom window and I can just remember the blaze orange sky and I couldn't see the barn, but I knew something was burning and threw some clothes back on jumped out in the truck i got a phone call barns on fire by the time i got to where i could see the barn all that was left were was the skeleton the frame of it the roof was gone the the outer walls were gone it was all that huge massive beam structure and of course the hay we had a barn clear full hay full round bales and it just looked like giant blazing marshmallows and uh you know when you when you work so hard for everything that you do and and then just right in your face all of a sudden everything you've known is is gone that's pretty much what happened and large part of my ministry right now is helping other people deal with losses and loss of health. 2006, my wife came down with cancer. 2007, we lost the barn and all the insanity of trying to get through a summer, not only doing all the cropping and milking and everything that you usually have to do, but also rebuilding. And 2008, a year later, my wife's passing, I went through three huge losses all in a short amount of time and right now i'm trying to really help other people get through losses in life Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the the emotional impact of that, I just I don't think you could underestimate it. Or, I mean, it's shocking. But you couldn't it, overestimate. Excuse me. It, it's just something that, um, you know, when things happen to other people, it's hard, and you you have that prick of compassion inside of you, but there's no way to really grasp those kinds of things, sadly, without experiencing them than yourself. Yeah. So, so 2008, then you're just kind of reeling from all of these losses. How do you come out of that with your head on straight? It was hard. I suppose that my faith is the only thing that I had to keep me going. And not to say that there weren't hard nights where I'd ask God why, because mm-hmm. I asked him why many times. But even in those moments when you're asking why and crying in the night, you you also have this undoubted sense that the Lord is right there with you. and. That's probably the thing that kept me going was no matter how hard things were, I always felt like I could run to him and vent to him. And so many times, I guess I open my window up clear wide open, but so many times we feel like we have to have things all together and and compose ourselves in a way that's decent and dignified in the sight of other people. I I didn't. And there were nights through these losses that I did not have things together. And the and the why was attacking me head on. Mm-hmm. I had a mentor that advised me one day, and I'll never forget the conversation where he said, you need to go out in the woods. You need to get a stick or a pole or something and you just need to start smashing things and (laughs) and you know as unreligious as this sounds beat on god's chest great call him out scream and yell at him tell him what you think and get it all out yep and and i did and my mentor at the time of course he knew what was going to happen but I got it all out, screamed and yelled at God, told him what I thought. And when I was done, I slumped down beside my truck and cried myself into really what was a peaceful moment. Mm-hmm. And God's big enough to handle anything that we call him out on or shout in his face or tell him what we think. And after I was done being a powder face (laughs) i uh he wrapped his arms around me like a gentleman and comforted me in a way that i'll never forget and that was that was another key and pivotal pivotal moment where as messed up as i thought everything was god was right there with me and he was not gonna leave Mm -hmm. me Amen. amen but it's really when we read the psalms in the Bible, so many of them are just cries to God that you know Absolutely. why and, and I don't think I don't think it's wrong to to cry out to God and 
and to ask God all the hard questions and, and yell at God, whatever. I mean, he can handle it. He's big enough. Yeah. 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 That's for sure. My wife and I are going through the Psalms right now and each day reading one in the morning and then discussing it. And so many times that's what David's just yelling out. He's mad. Why don't you get rid of these people? Wipe them out. Get them out of here. You know, <laughs> what goes on? But yeah, that's it. And there's times uh, I had a situation once in my life that something happened within my family and um, very much I, I understand and appreciate what you're saying. And not anything near to the point that you had, but at that time it was the big event in my life. And uh, I remember walking out the driveway and just yelling at God and screaming and being really mad. But then at the yeah. end, feeling that peace of, okay, God's got this. He's going to pick me up. He's going to carry me through. And um, yeah, wow. Well, well, the thing about it, when we're in trials, in the middle of a trial, it looks to be the hugest thing we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what you've gone through. It's it's the biggest thing you've ever seen to everybody who's looking at it. And I used to think, you know, my wife got sick. That's the biggest thing I ever faced. And then she passed. And then I said to myself, you know, that's the hardest thing I ever faced. And Honestly, if it wouldn't have been for some of the other things in my life, I wouldn't be able to handle some of the current things in my life. And I, I don't know exactly if you're ready for me to jump into this or not, but 2018, Please do. I, I suffered a traumatic brain injury that, for all intents and purposes, was the hardest thing I ever had to face. Mm -hmm. And... As hard as th I thought things were before, this one was, it was just a whole new beast to try to touch and handle. I was, it was Monday, it was a September morning and we didn't have a whole lot of help. So I was doing things myself and ordinarily would have help, but the price of milk and the price of everything, farmers you you listening you know what it's like you don't have help you do it yourself so mm -hmm. i was trying to corral a, a cow into a hospital pen myself and had all these gates shut so that i could get her there and skid loader came rearing back cleaning the barn and unfortunately didn't know that i had any of the gates shut and i'm looking at a gate thinking my goodness that thing's going to get smashed and Things get smashed on the bar in the barn at the farm. It's not only you gotta replace it, but you you don't have the time to do it and you don't have the energy to do it. Mm -hmm. And I did not want to fix a gate. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm gonna get to that gate and I'm gonna open it, whip it open so it doesn't get smashed. Well, the skid loader got to it first and it hit the gate hard and like a fulcrum effect, it swung around and smashed me in the face a thousand miles an hour and my world changed again i instantly lost my hearing in my left ear and it was ringing tinnitus was ringing like crazy i saw the bright white light and next thing i know i woke up on the ground and for the third or fourth time in my life, everything changed again. And it wasn't so much that 
it was painful because it was, and it wasn't so much that it was, I'd learn how to walk again and, and those kinds of things. But it was, again, I had to battle with, Lord, why? Why, why did I just get hit in the face? What good are you going to do with me being smashed in the face? I have two fractures in my skull. I got bleeding in my brain. I can't see. I saw double for almost six months and it was crazy for a long time. Mm -hmm. But we ask ourselves that why we do, you know, why do we plant a field of corn only to have it dry up in a drought? Why do we, the whys plague us all the time. And in my recovery from, uh, really long recovery, I guess you could call it. I fell into a depression like no other because I felt like my whole world had been taken away again. Mm -hmm. This time it affected my kids, the same kids that would kayak the ocean with me and boulder cliffs out in the, out in the ridge, you know, do all these fun things. Now instantly their dad is stuck to a couch 24-7. And it's one thing to have a disability or a hardship that affects you, but when it affects the people that you love, it is, it's a double whammy. Mm-hmm. Right. And facing this brain injury, of course, I'm light years different than what I was when it first happened, but it has been a long road and a very difficult one, one that I'm still learning how to deal with, but maybe I'm going to, maybe I'm going to steal your, your punchline here to the message, but God has something good, even when we don't see it. And mm-hmm. when bad things happen in life, it's not that God causes them to happen it's the beauty of our creator and our maker that can take any bad situation and turn it around and do something good with it Mm -hmm. and it's not that god caused my wife to pass away it's not that god caused a gate to fly up and smash me in the forehead and change life again but our beautiful and wonderful creator can take that situation and turn it around and do something so good with it that he'll blow you away with it. Mm-hmm. And that is really what I'm trying to speak my life message about wow. right now. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, it's a powerful testimony. That's true. Thank you. Very much so. Very much so. So you so yeah. you you had the had the accident happen. Um, you say it was about six months of seeing clearer vision, things like that. As you were going through that time, was God starting to open up those doors to use things to use things to glorify Himself through that accident for you? Well, sometimes, sometimes we can be stubborn, more stubborn than than we need to. And I think I went through a time early on when I was as stubborn as a mule. But God started to get a hold of me through that pit of depression and one day I had this epiphany when I when I saw what God had done in somebody else 
and that's how really the Lord does things. He, he uses other people to light a fire inside of us. And I had read a book by Johnny Erickson Tata that basically told me if God can do a good work in her, in her paraplegic accident, in her struggles in life, and her difficulties uh, mentally and emotionally, if he can turn all that around for her, then he can do it for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And instead of starting, instead of staying in a place where I felt sorry for myself, I began to see that there was a possibility that something good or something exciting or something beneficial or profitable, all those things could happen in my life. And my wife, sometimes wives know best and sometimes husbands are reluctant to admit that. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's never happened in my house. Never. (laughs) But, you know, through love letters and things that I had written to my wife, she could see even clearer than I could that I had a real gift for creativity and putting words together in ways that really could pull the emotions of people one way or another. And she said, you need to be writing. You need to be writing a book. And it linked together really a 20-year dream that I had that I would love to write a book. It was on my bucket list. I'd love to write a book. Well, when you're making hay and planting corn and milking cows, I was on every shift. There's no time to write a book, at least not not where we were, not on our farm. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting in a chair for 23 hours a day. Why not? And I, and I told the Lord, you know, if you want me to write a book, I want you to give it to me. And I said that prayer. And in about 10 minutes, I had scribbled out the whole storyline and plot line to my first book. It came to me so fluid and so quickly. And I think God had to do it that way or I would have never believed him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it was probably the easiest thing I ever did. And my first book took about a month to write. And it didn't stop. I started a blog. I I wanted to help everybody that I could that was dealing with losses. And... I started getting people poking into my blog from all over the world, Brazil, Uruguay, name it, people have been on it. And over the last two years, I've really reached a lot of people speaking to them about what I have been taught by the Lord about losses Mm -hmm. and strengthening people in their faith and here I am thinking to myself, like, it's kind of like a David moment where David used to sing to sheep mm-hmm. and spend his days and nights out in the fields connecting with a God who gave him his all. That's exactly where I feel like I was, modern day, but the same picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he took me from singing worship songs on a tractor to writing inspirational 
messages for people all over the world. And now I have about, I think, five books. I think my fifth one just came out. Um, it's kind of odd because I'm an author, but I can't remember a lot. I still have a lot of memory issues from my brain injury, which is also a plus. I picked up my <laughs> book that came out May 1st, and I read it probably for the sixth or seventh time. And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> and <laughs> get to find out what happened all over again. Wow. But it has been an amazing journey. And I must say, as hard as it was, God knows what he's doing. And even when we squirm and fight and kick back against the Lord's plan for our life, he can do things with us that far exceeds any expectations we could ever have. And, and the dream that I have to help people in faith and get closer to God is becoming a reality right now and all the difficulties that I've had in life along the way only have cemented that passion and uh, how else can I say it fueled the fire to bring people to the Jesus that I serve mm -hmm. yeah well we don't have a Faith of Our Farmers website, Chuck, but we do have a Facebook page. And so we can put the link to your website on our Facebook page. Oh, that'd be super. Yeah, definitely. Then so. People who need it can, can go and check it out. Definitely. But what, what is the name of your webpage so people could even look that up even now as they listen? It's www.chuck-carr.com. And there's two years worth of pretty much weekly blogs, anything from loss and heartache to purpose to I take photos as I ride my quad around the farm and I got some gorgeous photography, get to see some really great shots of farmland and see the area that we live and Really, anything that the Lord brings to my mind as I'm going through the week and inspires me, then I just try to listen to what he says and, and capture it and write it. Mm -hmm. Wow. So with the help of your family, you've been able to keep the farm going then, obviously. The farm is still going, yes, and that's a struggle for them. It, my absence has really... I guess they have a lot more on their plate now, but we got some more help and they got a full-time person to step in and, and pitch in when I'm not there. I still go up and try to help out with uh, some of the computer stuff that I can do sitting down and pitch in when I can with that, but it's usually short-lived. I get dizzy quick and Usually have to take a break, but so you aren't operating machinery and doing a lot of that kind of work. No, 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 no. Uh -huh. I get dizzy just, you know, having <laughs> a full kitchen of, of kids and family. So no machinery for me now. But mm -hmm. I do try to cheer everybody up and give them a smile and 
<laughs> we have we have supper for have have people in at times so they can eat here and don't have to worry about cooking and stuff like that. But but no no machinery for me right mm-hmm. now. But you're able to drive though, it sounds like. I'm able to drive. The trouble with machinery is there's all these rotating things all over your view and all those rotating, it's just overstimulation for me where a car is, there's nothing really moving. It's just you drive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Well, there was one thing that you would say to young farmers, maybe somebody getting started in the business. What would you want them to know? If I could tell farmers today one message, I think as the as the years pass, farming farming has changed drastically since I was a kid. And it used to be so much simpler. Now a lot of days it's just sheer chaos. And I'm yeah. sure that mm-hmm. I'm sure that farmers listening to this, some of them probably don't even have the time to listen to a podcast more than a few minutes. It's busy. It is crazy busy. Mm-hmm. And I guess my message that I would speak to them is if you plant 60 acres of corn today or 50, 10 years from now, it's really not going to matter. But spending time with your boy or your girl, or your wife, your family, spending time with the Lord. Really, relationships is what makes a difference, and relationships is what's going to last. And my advice to farmers is the same advice that the Lord gave us clear back in the Bible. You got to take time and and shut down. You got to take the rest. The Lord, when he created the world, he told us to do it in Old Testament and have a Sabbath rest, and you need to feed your own soul. You got to make time to do that. And having heart pounding, constant action all the time is not going to do that for you. Take time, feed your soul. I know there's a global market to feed, but you got to take care of yourself and you got to feed your own soul. Right. Make your family what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I think it's good advice. Very much so. Very much so. That's Maybe the sure. other thing that I would want to get people to see is that when my accident happened, I was laying on the stretcher. They had a collar on me and I kept fading in and out. I couldn't keep my consciousness, but I, I know I woke up and they moved me about eight, 10 inches lifted me and I instantly threw up from emotion. And when I heard the paramedic tell another paramedic, he just threw up pure blood. I figured that I was done. I figured I was on my way out and I fully figured that when I closed my eyes, I was going to wake up in heaven and I had an extremely peaceful moment. I've never had peace like that moment before where I I said my final prayers and asked the Lord to take my spirit and close my eyes in peace, thinking that I was going to wake up in glory. 
Well, I didn't. I woke up in Forbes Hospital trauma unit. But that experience has drastically changed my life. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where I can look at myself and say, I only have so much time. And I don't even know how old I am. I think I'm 43. My wife has to tell me every once in a while, remind me, but I'm 43. I only got so many years left. And if I could tell other farmers to worry about what needs worried about and let go of the other things, James 4.14 says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Mm -hmm. And I would tell other farmers, make your time count. Mm -hmm. You only got so much of it. And sometimes we can get so consumed in getting ready for the milk inspector and making sure your hay is mowed on time and all these little things almost daily that we lose track of the big picture that your neighbor down the street needs to know about Jesus. Right. He might be the only person there to tell him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Things like that, that really when everything else fades away, what is your life going to mean? And what is your life going to matter to other people, to yourself, to your family, to your Lord? And I would really try to get other farmers to see Time is short, life is short, and you need to make the most of mm -hmm. it. And yeah. that would be huge. That's for sure. And that's that falls exactly back to where we, Chris and I, felt the calling to even do this podcast as a way to reach out. Um, for those who do have a little bit of time and can listen to a podcast, you know, it's like, all right, this, this sounds like a great opportunity to do this. And, um, yeah, so we appreciate you saying saying those words there for sure to take that time and, and, and share with your brothers and sisters. Um, it may be the feed man. It may be the guy bringing your fertilizer cart, whoever, but you know, don't be a, don't be afraid to share your love for Christ because they, sure. they may be there for an appointed time to be there with you at that moment. Right. That's for sure. Well, Chuck, we, we only have a couple minutes here left, but I, I, I I know I, I listened to the same podcast Chris did, and that one was really based around the whole mental health situation with farmers. And um, I don't know that maybe we could even do a whole other podcast just talking about that. But uh, you've been through the depression and that type of thing. Uh, what advice, just briefly, would you put out there to that farmer that, well, I'm too tough to tell anybody that I'm hurting inside? What, what would you say to that farmer? Yeah, that's, that's the exact problem, I think. Farmers are <clears throat> born and bred tough, and we have to be. You see too much. You have to deal with too much. And if you're not tough, you'll never survive. But at the same time, when something happens to the farmer himself or herself, and they're hurting inside, the same person that's had to take care of everything else under the sun doesn't know how to take care of himself. And I think 
because of the nature of farming, when we depend on ourselves to really take care of everything, we lose the ability or, or we just have a tremendously hard time reaching out to get help from anybody. And I really think that's one of the reasons that farmers struggle with this so much. I, I would advise people, you know, you have to take care of yourself first before you can take care of anybody else. And if you're struggling mentally with depression or a lack of faith or a lack of being able to see the light in the end of the tunnel with the crazy atmosphere that surrounds farming right now, then you need to reach out and get some help. And there's absolutely no shame in doing that. Amen. Amen. Yep, that's for sure. Yep, no doubt about it. Okay, well, we want to just say how much we appreciate you taking the time to share with us here today, Chuck. And we're just grateful to be able to, to share your testimony with others. Thank you very much for having me. Yes. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. Time just so many others. I, if, if, if one other person outside has will be as blessed as I have been by hearing this conversation, uh, God's going to use it to do great things for sure. Thank you. So, All right. Well, everybody, thank you for taking a listen this week. And until next week, may God bless, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Faith of Our Farmers podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Faith of Our Farmers. You can find links to this week's podcast on our Facebook page under the podcast section. If you'd like to get a hold of us, there's two ways you can do that. You can get a hold of us first through our Facebook page. Uh, send us a message that way. There's also an email button on our Facebook page. You can email us at faithofourfarmers at gmail.com. If you know someone in ag that has a great testimony to share, or if you know of a ministry that combines ministry work along with agriculture work that you'd like us to feature, or if you just have a good topic you'd like us to talk about, please get a hold of us either through Messenger or through our email address. And lastly, and most important, if you're searching out there today and wondering about a, a faith walk with Jesus, may we suggest you go to this website, needhim.org. That's N-E-D-H-I-M dot O-R-G. On that website, you can find a lot of good information about how to start a walk with Jesus, or if you are currently walking in the faith and have some struggles and questions, this website is a great place, great resource to go to. Again, that's N-E-D-H-I-M dot O-R-G. Thanks a lot and God bless till we talk next time. See you later.